good morning, everybody. Take a breath. I encourage you to breathe out a prayer of thankfulness to God right now. Something you're thankful to God for. Just breathe it out. Say, Lord, I'm thankful. So, one of the things I've learned is how important it is to express uh, what our heart feels. Not just think it, but express it. That's why I say breathe it out. So, like verbalize it. God, thank you for your zealous commitment to transform me to be like Jesus. Thank you for your unrelenting love. Thank you, God, for your kindness that's new every morning. Your mercies never fail. Thank you for these realities, God. Think of something specific that you're grateful for this week that's happened. Tell the Lord, hey, God, I'm so thankful for... Speak it out. I'm thankful you showed up this morning. Thankful God's here with us. Thank you for his promise that he never leaves us or abandons us. In spite of all of the circumstances, we come, come back to Romans 8, that great reality that Paul speaks about. And if you're not familiar with Romans 8, it's a passage to really saturate your life in. That nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And then Paul lists off all these different things that would look like they might separate us, but it comes back again and again. No. And it ends, in all these things, we are the ones who overcome. We are the ones who conquer because of who Christ is, what he has done, and because he's in me. It's wonderful. So celebrate that. Uh, if you're smiling underneath your mask, let your eyes know so that I can, I can see it. Great, I've got a few of them going. Yeah, thank you. So, all right. Uh, this morning, I realized that during the worship... I thought of a good prop for this morning, but it was too late to organize it. So I want, I know that there are people who have had birthdays this month. If you've had a birthday so far or you've got one coming in February, any show of hands? Anyone's got a birthday? Okay, there's a couple of hands gone up. Yep. So one of the things you hope you get on your birthday is a gift, don't you? Yep. So, and you hope it's, you know, nice, you want, you want something that kind of looks substantive, um, whether it comes in a small, nicely written on envelope um, that's full of coloured paper with numbers on those pieces of paper, preferably with more than one zero. Um, any, uh, but, but also you like, you know, lovely gift wrap things that you get to open and you're wondering what it is. Well, I want you to use your imagination and imagine that on the stage is a, is a gift. It's a gift that I'm going to unwrap for you this morning. Have you ever received a gift that at first you weren't really sure whether you were grateful you got that gift? But later on, as you, you worked it all out, you're like, wow, this is actually a really thoughtful gift. I'm so glad they gave that to me. Anyone ever had that experience? Some of you have, some of you haven't. Okay. So some of you, this gift will bring you great joy. For others, it'll be something that'll be like, oh, I think that needs to grow on me. But it's a gift. Okay. Bibles. 
Let's go to the Bible. Always begin with the Bible, with what God says. When you begin with God, you rarely go wrong. So, Matthew chapter 6. So, first thing I'm going to recap is uh, our vision statements as a church. God's plan, our vision and our mission. So, the first one, God's plan is the statement that we have. It's on our website. All these things are available freely for you to find. Matthew chapter 6, we say God's plan. What's God's plan? What's God doing? People, people always ask, what's God doing? Well, God's told us what he's doing. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, when you pray, don't babble on and on as Gentiles do who don't know God. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Pray like this. Our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so taking that prayer of Jesus, Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray and what to pray. And he says, one of the key things you want to pray is for the fulfillment of God's plan. Jesus articulates it here in his prayer. Paul articulates it in Ephesians chapter 1. He's bringing everything on heaven and earth. He's bringing them together under the leadership of Jesus. So Jesus teaches us to pray. On earth as it is in heaven. So we go, that's what God's doing. What's God doing? He's bringing everything on earth to be like it is in heaven. He's, he's perfectly worshipped in heaven. He is loved and adored in worship. He is seen for who he is in heaven. No, and we fall down and we want to see that reality on earth. And we're working to, we know God's working towards that and we want to cooperate with him to do that. Then we've talked, then we talk about our vision. What's our vision, New Life Church? Call it out. You gotta, you have to speak loud because you're all masked up. That's God's plan on earth as it is in heaven. The other one was the mission. What is, what's our vision statement? That's, that's a good summary of it. Yep. Okay. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 22. This is how we say it. In conversation, uh, people were having, trying to chat, trap Jesus, uh, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees trying to chap Jesus, Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 onwards. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? How many commandments in the law of Moses? Yeah, people calculated it 613. So it's a big question, isn't it? It's like, okay, Jesus, which one? Which, is, which one is the most important? And Jesus says this. He says this one, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. So the great commandment is to love God with your whole being. And this is always, this is of course in response. God's lavished his love on us. God's lavished his grace on us. He's withheld nothing good from us. And our response is go, God, you can have all of me. I'll love you with all of my am. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Treat people as you want to be treated is another way to say it. Love them. Do to them what you want them to do to you. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So our vision is the statement, passion for, compassion for, say it again, passion for, compassion. Very good. Okay, so what's God's plan? On earth as it is in heaven. What's our vision? Yeah, we'll be a people who, if we get accused 
of having passion for God and compassion for people, we'll be found guilty. That's what we're aiming for. That's what you are. I want to be guilty of that. When I'm accused of having passion for God and compassion for people and I'm accused of fulfilling the great commandment, I want to be found guilty. I'll plead guilty even before I go to trial because the evidence will be so stacked up. All the evidence will be there. Okay, so then what's our mission? Hey, well done. Make disciple makers. Matthew 28. Let's go there. Matthew 28, verses 16 through to 20. So post-resurrection appearance, Jesus told them, go to head up to Galilee, to the mountain where we used to hang out together, fellas. And so the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. They were like, is this really happening? And Jesus came and he said to his disciples these words. Remember, he's been crucified, he's resurrected, and he's standing there now in his resurrected body. And he's saying, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you go in my name and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always to the end of the age. So key thing is, we're about making disciple makers. We're about being formed as disciples who, who obey everything that Jesus has commanded us to obey. And we're in that process of raising our children to be like that, discipling the children in, as much, in other contexts that we have and youth. And in our own lives, we want to be ones who are making disciple makers. We want to be disciples. So again, if we get accused of fulfilling the great commission of Jesus, that we are going and making disciples because we are disciples, we want to be found guilty of that. There's no cheer. No. <laughs> I know, it's kind of weird, isn't it? You want to be found guilty of doing what Jesus said. Yeah, we do. We want to be found guilty of that. So it raises questions. Is, am I someone who's obeying everything Jesus commanded? Firstly, because if I'm not, it's going to be difficult for me to to encourage other people to do it because i got no integrity because I'm not doing that. But when my heart is set to obey him in everything, then I can invite people into that process. And so we talk about obedience-based discipleship because there's no other form of discipleship from a Christian point of view. There's, there's either we're obeying Jesus or we're not obeying Jesus. If we're not obeying Jesus, we're, we're showing that we actually don't love Jesus. Jesus said that in John 14 several times before he died. Read it through, underline it. If you love me, you will obey me. If you love me, you will obey me, Jesus said. So the proof that we love Jesus, the proof that we're responding in gratitude to the love that we have received, that God has lavished on us, is that we are loving and obeying him. And the proof is seen in our obedience. If there's no obedience, there's, probably, there's no love. Key things. So, God's plan is, say it with me, on earth as it is in heaven. Our vision, passion for God, compassion for people. Our mission Make disciple makers. All right. Well done. And in, and in doing those things, 
we we want to be attentive to the way that we're doing those those things. Those things don't change. They haven't changed since new life began. And in fact, if you realistically, every single congregation has similar kinds of statements uh, coming out of those things. And um, most of the pastors that, well, sorry, let let me start the sentence again. All of the pastors I know are trying to do that and lead their churches in that, in exactly these same things. They use slightly different wording sometimes, but that's, that's where they're going. That's what we're wanting to do. And one of the things that the disruption of COVID has done is brought, to the, brought all up to the forefront of, because our church life in the West has been majorly disrupted, and what, and it's given us all that opportunity to go, how effectively are we doing this? And the question that the pastors have been asking is, when you take out the, the Sunday gathering like this, when you take out the big screens, the smoke machines, all those things, when you strip that away, what happens to the people that used to show up, do they continue to feed themselves and grow as disciples of Jesus or do they drop away because there's no show to come to on the weekend? No Christian show to come to. Now, that, that you might think that that's a bit of a crass way to put it, but that's effectively what many have been confronted with in the fact that when there's no show on Sunday, people some people have drifted away. That was the reality that many congregations were confronted with. There's a song we used to sing. It's not that old. As in, it was written 20 or so years ago. can't remember exactly. By Matt Redman. When the music fades and all is stripped away, I simply come and worship you. And Matt Redman was leading worship in a large church at that and and that just happened one Sunday. You're just like, what if we turn all this off? What happens? And there's no there's no show on the stage. Can we still worship? Can we still stand in awe at him and gaze at him because he's worthy? Can we do that together? So in 1 Chronicles 12, verse 32, this is one of our favorite verses in New Life. We read, this is a, this is a, this is a list, this, uh, 1 Chronicles 12 is a list of the, the people who have gathered around David as he's, uh, he's transitioning into being king of Israel. And it says, from the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. And all these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. And so this reality is something we, we continue to pray for in the prayer room, Sunday mornings as well. Is that we'll be people like these, these leaders in the tribe of Issachar who will understand the signs of the times, understand the season in which we're living and will know the best course of action to take. We keep praying for that. Uh, parents, you want to be praying that for your children, that they'll be like this. Every single one of you, I encourage you to be praying this. Say, God, I want to be someone who's marked with wisdom and revelation, that understands the times and the seasons in which we're living, which I'm living, 
And I know how to respond. I know how to lead myself. I know how to lead my family. I can give leadership because I understand what this season is all about. In 2020, we had a couple of nights we called Crossroads Nights. And this, of course, comes from Jeremiah 6, verse 16, where God speaks through Jeremiah to his people. And he says, this is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads. Stop at the intersection, if you like. Look around. Stop. Look. Don't just keep rushing on. Stop. Look around. And ask the Lord for the old godly way and walk in it. God, what's the way? What's the godly way to walk in at this time? Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. Yeah, man. This is the big challenge for us all at the moment, isn't it? Finding rest for our souls. Finding rest for our souls. I think if I... I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up, but if I think if I ask you to put your hand up, how many of you are fighting to find rest for your souls right now? I think most of your hands would go up. And I want to say that I believe this is something God wants to train us in because of what is coming. Like, this is not the the big event folks in terms of the return of Christ this is kind of the warm up you know this is just you know just doing a few stretches here you know just doing a stretch you know but and some of us are gasping for breath we're just going we're feeling overwhelmed and it's time to stop and look for the old godly ways and walk in them because then we'll find rest for our souls And I want to encourage you to say verbalizing gratitude to God is one of those ways. Worship is one of those ways. Sitting and soaking in scripture is one of those ways. To read, reflect and meditate on short passages of scripture is one of those ways. Crossroads. In Acts um, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, this is the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit's been poured out. Luke's giving us a summary. Remember, Luke writes the book of Acts, those of you that didn't know that. And he says, out of the overflow of this, so this is verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to four things, the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And he says, a deep sense of awe came over them all, And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place. And that would be the temple. That would be the only place they could meet. And shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. And they worshipped together at the temple each day. And they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so we see these, this, this rhythm of the, the early church, of being devoted to these things, being devoted to what the apostles were teaching him. What were they teaching them? They were teaching them to obey everything Jesus had commanded them to do. They were devoted to 
connect fellowship or relationship with one another, fostering true Christian community. They were, they were sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and they were devoted to prayer. And they were doing this in the temple, and they were doing this each, in each other's homes as well. They were doing them together. We know at this time there was 3,000 people. So uh, they're obviously all not in the same home, are they? Do you think? 3,000, you can have 3,000 people over to your place, even without COVID restrictions. None of us are going to be able to pull that off. So we know that they, they're, they're meeting collectively in the temple courts because that's where 3,000 people could meet if, they all, if every single one showed up at the same time. But they also met in homes accordingly and they did these things and they were sharing their life together. They were talking about the apostles' teaching. They were sharing... Uh, their, their possessions with one another. You got a need, I don't need this, you need this, I'll, I'll sell this, I'll give you the money, all these kind of things. There was this wonderful sense of this is what it means to be the people of God. And when you think about that and you think and you go back to what's God's plan? What's God's plan? We said that God's plan? Okay, yeah. So doesn't that sound like a bit of on earth as it is in heaven when you read that? Doesn't it kind of sound a bit like that? It does, doesn't it? You go, yeah. And so no wonder the Lord's adding to their number daily because people are going, wow, you guys are a totally different deal to anything else that's in town. Because look at you. You're mixed ethnically, men and women together, all these things going on. You break, you're sort of shaking off all the things that, that our culture normalizes and you're creating this whole new thing and the way that you love one another the way you're interacting with one another we're watching that and we've been drawn to that and then we go into acts chapter 5 and verses 40 to 42 so and this is peter and john and they they're before the court because they healed the man who couldn't walk at the gate of the temple but they're being they're about to be um, they're, being, they're on trial for proclaiming that Jesus is the, Jesus from Nazareth is both Lord and Messiah. And the Jewish leaders are trying to shut them down. They intimidate them and they call them in and they have them flogged. And then they order them never again to speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go. So a good old flogging. And then don't do that again, fellas. And off they go. And what did they do? They left. They left the high council and what were they doing? The text tells us this. They were dancing. They were clapping. They were rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. Isn't that such a challenging statement? Is that, do you think that's how you might respond if you were flogged? For proclaiming Jesus as Lord and Messiah and told to shut up and never speak of him again. Do you think you would go out of that flogging, rejoicing, saying, this is awesome. This is awesome. God counted us worthy to suffer like Jesus for the honor of his name. It's a totally different mindset, isn't it? Rejoicing that God had him worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the one you're looking for and the one you need to put your hope in. 
Last Sunday afternoon, we had the Disciple One leaders on a Zoom conference with an underground church leader in Iran. And, and the convers- one of the questions that uh, someone in the room put to this leader was, what's, it was in terms of living under an oppressive regime. And this, this leader's answer stunned all of us who are in the room. He said, we pray that they will continue to be in power because it's furthering the, the growth of the church. The gospel is going forth in power under this oppressive regime. He said, we, this leader went on to say, we would prefer that people experience hell on earth so that they go to heaven than experience heaven on earth and end up in hell. It's powerful, isn't it? Isn't it a powerful, percep- such a perceptive, dis- it, it throws our orientation out. And he further challenged us and he says, you in the West... You're demanding your rights. Where in the Bible are we told to fight for our rights? We were rebuked, rightfully. We want to be people who get flogged because we honour Jesus. We want to be people who rejoice that God counts us worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And when an underground church leader speaks those words to us who every day risks his life and his team to share Christ with people, there's an authority on that that we don't know about. It's such a different perspective to what we, what we have and, what, and how we're viewing things. So we, we want to continue to pray that the gospel will spread, that, that all of this opens up a wide door. You see, at the moment, there's, there's all this thing, there's a, there's a great fear in our community. And the answer and the antidote to fear is Jesus. We sang about that. I want to sing the name of Jesus. We sang that song. You're carrying the antidote to people's fear. Jesus is what they need. To bow and worship Jesus, to obey Jesus, to receive his grace and mercy and to respond in wholehearted love. And that will break their fear, that will break your fear as well. So these things, those things that we've talked about, God's plan and our vision and our mission. God's plan to bring everything on earth under the leadership of Jesus. He's going to make everything on earth as it is in heaven. That's an unchanging plan and he is working to fulfill that. And we're confident about that and we rejoice and we're at rest. We go, God, we know you've said these things are going to be disruptions. We, we know all those things. We know, that's not going to change. And we look forward to that great and glorious day. And our vision doesn't change either. To be people who live out the great commandment. To have a passion for God and a compassion for people. And our mission to make disciple makers doesn't change. Those things are unchangeable. But other things do change. And since New Life began in 1997, many things have changed. Some of you don't know that we haven't always met here. Because this is your normal. we met for many years, well, until uh, about November or December 2016. We met in John Curtin College of the Arts Hall. We set up and pack away. We had two trailers of, of gear that we loaded in and unloaded every single week. We had 
If you think serving's a challenge in this context, you ain't seen nothing, baby. Come on. Many of you were there loading those trailers, unloading them, loading them in. Picking, yeah, pick up the trailers. We had a team. We had a trailer team. Yeah. I <laughs> see that hand. Yeah. So I had to learn to reverse because so, my car had a tow bar. It's like I'm picking up the trailer. I'm on trailer duty. Anyway, so one of the high points was in they installed like a helicopter rotor in the roof as a fan. <laughs> so it was difficult to use because it made so much noise. <laughs> so sitting in air conditioning, oh, luxury. Bring it on. Anyway, we've done different venues. Coffee break used to be where? In the middle. We used to have worship and then break for coffee. Whoa, hey, revolutionary practice. No other church in the world was doing that. Wow, we're forerunners. Great, we're leading the, we're leading the charge here, you know. And we did that for a long time. The reason we did that was because uh, for visitors, it was easier for them um, because they were, they were nicely able to be present and engage with people for a few minutes. Uh, and then their bell would sound and it would be come back and come to come in for the teaching. So it was it was a way to it was we felt like it was a really good plan and strategy for in terms of connecting with people in a simple way over a short period of time and make some connections and then people could go at the end. And also we had to do all the pack up at the end as well. So that that was taking people away from being able to connect. So we don't have that. Now we have coffee at the end. Uh, we didn't always have Feast of Jesus on every single Sunday either. Uh, we re-examined what the scriptures teach about that and we came to that conclusion. So we changed our practice based on the scriptures. Uh, we haven't always prayed the Bible. We haven't always prayed Paul's apostolic prayers. We have since about 2000. We began to learn that process. But we haven't had a prayer room since about 2005. So these things we've, we've worked in a different way. We've had groups in different formats over the years. So all these things, there have been changes. And it's, to me, it was, it was important not to change things for the sake of changing, but to have a culture that copes with change. There was um, a, a, an Australian pastor I knew of who uh, many years ago accepted an invitation to uh, go and pastor a church in Canada. And uh, for the Canadians amongst us, this is not what I'm about to say, is not a slight against Canada. It's just what happened in the culture of that church. And when he interviewed with them, he said, he talked about innovation, he talked about changing things, and they're all, yes, yes, that's what we need. We need revitalization. We need change. We've, we've got to, we know we've got to do things differently. There's a new generation coming. We've got to reach them. So he took the job. He went in. Uh, in the first couple of weeks, he shifted something in the order of service. He shifted, I think, the offering from one point in the service to the next. There was an emergency elders meeting immediately after that service. Can't do that, Pastor. You what? No, you can't. No, we have the offering at that spot every single year. We've had it there for a hundred and something years or whatever it might be. Can't change it. And at that point, he realized 
they actually didn't want to change. They liked the idea of changing, but they didn't actually want anything to change. They liked the idea of reaching a new generation, but they wanted the new generation to be like them. We don't want to be like that. We don't want change for the sake of change. We want change that continues to advance the vision and the mission and cooperating together with God's plan. So today I want to announce to you just a small change, just a little tweak. But this is the gift that I've got. I'm unwrapping it now for you after all of that. You've been gazing at that gift and you've been wondering what's in that. Well, here it is, the great unveiling. So, And some of you are going to go, really? You did all that to say that? Yeah, because it's not that big of a deal. But I needed, I wanted you to be reminded that the drivers are God's plan, our vision and our mission. And we keep on moving things to accomplish and advance those things. So, here we go. It's It's a bold initiative. We've got this magnificent name for it. You're going to be shocked. You ready? Monthly, monthly house church. Monthly house church. The last Sunday of each month, beginning on the last Sunday of March, there won't be a service here because we'll all be scattered in homes doing church in homes just like they did in the New Testament just like they did for the first 300 plus years of the church they met in homes just like they're doing in many places around the world we're going to do it once a month now let me tell you what it's not going to be it's not going to be people getting together and watching a streamed service that'll be from here. Like you, you understand? So during COVID, we had to close things down and we scattered into homes and we streamed a service from here. It's not that. It's each each house church will have its own unique flavour and characteristic. It'll be a combination of the people that are there that will make that up. But it will have some of the same components. There will be worship, feast of Jesus. There'll be some Bible teaching and there'll be prayer for one another there'll be coffee and sometimes there might be a meal a bring and share meal together uh, the the uh, some some of the house churches will have some someone in there that's able to lead worship and so that person or that teenager <laughs> hey we're going to uncover some new musicians and singers in our house churches uh, they'll, they'll lead a short a time of worship, uh, but for if your house don't panic, you think oh if if our house church hasn't got a muso where we've got nowhere to go, no the worship team will pre-record a short worship set that you can participate with by playing on your on your screen, and we'll also pre-record uh, about a ten minute. Bible teaching as well to watch and then after the Bible but after the Bible teaching we want 
people to have conversation together around that and how do, how do we live that teaching out um, in that context and then people being able to pray for one another, encourage one another, affirm one another, rebuke one another, correct one another, do all the one another commands and just learn to love one another really well. So we're in the process of recruiting hosts and facilitators. Sometimes the host will be the facilitator, but sometimes the host uh, won't be the facilitator. Now, we're going to assume that all of you are excited about this and want to be in it. So we, 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 have, we will be signing you up to participate in house church. But if you, at this point in your life, season, whatever's going on, you think, can't think of anything worse than being with people on a Sunday in a house and worshipping and studying the Bible and talking and praying and having food together. Can't think of anything worse. Just send us an email to the office at info at newlifefremantle.com and just say, for the time being, I don't want to be included in a house church and I'll let you know when I change my mind. We think you're going to be missing out. Really, really do. But, of course, you've, that's, that's entirely up to you. It's going to happen on the last Sunday of every month. Now, you are going to get a handout as you leave here today with all of this information in. So don't worry if you're like, oh, I can't remember this all. You're going to get a handout with us. So it's going to be on the last Sunday of each month, beginning the last Sunday of March. Now, you're actually going to have... Uh, one in between the the March one and then April 15th, which is Good Friday, house churches will be meeting to do Passover meals together. And then you'll do the last Sunday in April. So you'll actually have three in quick succession, if you like. And we think that's going to be great because that's going to really help us to connect with one another. Some of us will be in house church with people we've not met before or not really had a lot to do with. Others we will be. It's, it's all in that process. We're going to be putting people together according to kind of age and demographics. So there's a good mix together of people uh, in terms of commonality and things like that. So uh, people with small children will find themselves with other families with small children so that hopefully the children play well together and enjoy. And so it's all, oh, this is wonderful because like... The kids are having a good time. We're having a good time as adults. And uh, for people that are past chasing small children, we'll put you in that category without small children so that you can just enjoy being together. Because we know there's going to be challenges for people with small children. So now this is something that the executive leadership team have processed together and signed off on. And so that we had those commissioned and we think there's going to be some blessings associated with this in terms of relational connection, that opportunity to practice the one another commands. Because uh, one, one of the gifts of actually seeing each other on a monthly basis in a house church context is the capacity for superficiality will, will rub off pretty quickly. Great, gratefully, and we'll, we'll actually really learn to love one another deeply. Because we are different. And we'll learn to appreciate one another. One of the other blessings we think is it will, be, it will provide opportunity 
to invite curious and motivated non-Christians to a house church context who perhaps wouldn't want to come into this context but they would accept an invitation to come to a house maybe your house maybe it's whoever's house it is uh, and to sit around and in a more informal setting so we think that's going to be good we believe it's going to be great for leadership development and multiplication of leaders it's going to help us all grow in obedience to God and Christ-like transformation now all of this is a partial it's it's both in terms of um vision and our mission it's all going in that same direction it's also looking and and going what do we think's coming and that was the crossroads meetings we had in 2020 where we stopped deliberately said god what are you trying to get our attention to in the height of the covert covid restrictions we're saying god we understand that things have changed and so it's not just a case of well we'll wait till we get back to normal because that's we're not going back we you're moving forward to bring everything together under the leadership of Jesus so we want to discern we want to be like these sons of Issachar who discern the times and the seasons and understand how we should live just as our brothers and sisters in Iran and other countries have learned how to function and multiply under persecution and multiply house churches and lead people to Jesus under persecution we aren't there yet but we don't know how long it will be before we come so before that might come so we want to actually this gives us like a practice run if you like practicing how to do this so that when intense pressure comes as a congregation we're ready for it we can roll it out if we if if suddenly we were cut off and never able to meet in this kind of context again we've got thriving house churches that are multiplying out in the suburbs like the picture shows right it's like church on mission in your house in your home and through your home in that kind of way so there's going to be some challenges as well we know that like i said the challenge to really learn to love one another deeply love one another sincerely beyond what's superficial um and you know it sometimes this means loving people with different parenting styles loving other people's children that's going to be a great growth opportunity it's also going to be painful because you're going to show up or you might be the the host so of course you show up but people the rest of the group didn't show up so the pain of having people who said they wanted to be part of this and actually going yeah no we're taking this sunday off it's not really that big of a deal it's painful when you when you prepare and people don't show up and they don't communicate that's even more painful i think that's called gaslighting now i don't know why but um you don't communicate you don't reply you don't rsvp ghosting is it not gas or go <laughs> thank you i thought i didn't think that was the right word i just couldn't think ghosting it's <laughs> yeah i'm showing my age thank you thank you to the youth workers for uh rescuing me with ghosting that's 
I experience all the joys. And, and you get that opportunity as well. You get to correct one another in front of everybody else. And everybody gets, you all get to laugh at each other and in, enjoy one another. So, um, now some of you might be thinking, oh, hang on, what if a visitor turns up at the hall and there's nothing on? What would they do? Oh, that, that means their opportunity to come to Jesus is out the window. It's like, well, today, hardly anyone turns up here without first of all looking on the website. It's very rare, very rare that someone turns up here. And we'll make sure there's plenty of communication on our website and our social media about what's going on. So that you, you remember as well, so that you don't turn up here and go, oh, whoops, yeah, this is House Church Sunday, I should be somewhere else. Um, so all those kind of things. Yes. So, but remember, this is all about making sure we stay on track of growing as people who have compassion for God, compassion for people, and who are making disciple makers. That's what this is all about. So, if you have any questions, hold them till uh, the meeting's finished. You can talk to myself or Julie uh, or any of the members of the executive leadership team uh, with any questions you've got. As I said, you're all going to get a handout. And for those of you that are viewing online, we'll make sure it's available online after today as well so that you can download it and have a look at it and see what's going on. Again, we're going to assume that all of you are opting in unless you send us an email to opt out. So uh, I think I've covered all the things that I wanted to cover, so I want to invite the worship team to come up and we want to close in a worship declaration together. Let me pray. Join me in praying. Would you please stand as we pray together? God, we thank you for your great strategy that you are working out across the earth. And we do. I'm asking you, Father, continue to grow us, to be like the people, the leaders in the tribe of Issachar. Men and women who know and understand that the, the season that we're living in, in terms of your timetable on the earth, and we know how to respond and we can lead others in that. Give to us that increasing spirit of wisdom and revelation to grow in the knowledge of you, Lord. And Father, we know you're, you, you will lead us, you will guide us as we embark on this journey together, meeting every month as house church. You will help us, you will lead us, you will guide us. Thank you for that reality and bless you for this time that we've had together today. As we go from here today, New Life Church, I bless you in the name of God the Father, Son and Spirit. To be a people who give thanks and live in the grace of God. Go forth into the world in peace and be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted and support the weak. Help the afflicted, honour everyone. Love and serve the Lord. And rejoice in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
be among us and remain with us always.